Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Pam Hour. This is Camilla with my co-host. Christopher Harris. Coming to you live from our small-ass kitchen entertaining you on my Saki production show. So for this week's episode, we want to bring on a guest that we feel is fitting um, for the current uh, events that our country is facing right now. It really isn't a new um, problem that is happening within our country. Police brutality among black people has been going on for many, many, many years. Um, And so we feel that this guest is fitting for what is currently happening in our nation today. So without further ado, we have Nicole. So for the Pam Hour this week, we have our lovely guest. If you could please tell us your name for the audience. Nicole. Hi, Nicole. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Thank you for being a guest this week. We really appreciate you taking the time. So uh, for this episode, we want to focus on um, primarily circle around what's been going on in our country. And this is an issue that has come it really hasn't ever left. Um, it's just pretty much resurfaced stronger than ever um, just because of the circumstances with George Floyd and the protests. And it's pretty much, um, in a nutshell, police brutality against black people. Um, so the reason we have Nicole on today is because she is a black mother uh, herself. And how many children do you have, Nicole? I have four kids. Four kids. What are their ages? Um, I have a almost 21-year-old daughter, a 20-year-old stepdaughter that I raised since she was about two years old, a 18-year-old son, and a 16-year-old daughter. Wow. We have older babies. <laughs> big kids. Big kids. Big kids. <laughs> yeah. So uh, growing up um, as a black woman, I just want to clarify, are you uh, – Black or are you biracial, black and white? I'm multiracial. Okay. Um, my mom is white and my dad is black, but of course there's like lots of other things in there too. Right, mixed in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're all multiracial in the end. Um, yes. So growing up as a multiracial woman, um, obviously when people look at you, they don't say, oh, yeah, she's got to be multiracial. I know generally people see a black woman. You know, did you um, did you experience racism as a child growing up? Yes, I did. I actually feel like as a mixed woman, you kind of experience more racism as a child because people that normally wouldn't feel comfortable expressing it to like a a black, a dark black person feel comfortable expressing their views in front of me because I'm kind of like, like I can pass and they can pass, you know? Mm So as a kid, the first time that I really remember racism besides like little comments here and there, like the first hurtful, scary time was when I was about, probably about, I'd say like eight or nine. And those were like, it was like in the 80s. And 
you know, you could like walk to the park and stuff like that. So we thought, but, um, I lived in Encanto, which you wouldn't think is like a very racist area, but we had to walk to the park every day because we used to go to the rec center to hang out for like the whole day. Cause our mom worked mm-hmm. and there were these, um, there was this house and there were these probably older teenage boys. And we were like probably eight, you know, nine, 10, you know, young. Um, but we'd walk by their house and they were like so racist. They would yell out their windows, like nigger and like, you know, get out of here and we're going to like kick your ass and like, Oh, sorry. Are we allowed to say that on this one? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so they would like yell. So we like made it a point like every day, like whenever we were going like to the rec center or fr- from the rec center, we would like haul butt and like run fast, like past their house because it was just so scary. And they never came outside. It was always like just yelling, but That's it was terrifying. just really scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that paranoia that you would feel just walking there through there every day. I mean, thank God they didn't do anything exactly. like physically. You know what I mean? Like that's terrifying, especially as a child. When did you um so that that's when you first experienced racism racism, but did you understand it? Did your parents ever sit down with you and have a talk with you about racism because you are a woman of color and they knew that you were going to experience it or is it just something you kind of learned um, through experience firsthand? Honestly, um, I feel like my grandparents when I was younger, like my grandpa's still living now, but he um, is really old now. But when I was younger, like I feel like they were probably racist well, I know because my grandpa's family owned slaves when he was little. Okay. So I know they were. But um, when I was around, like, I feel like they weren't racist against black people. Like, they didn't say anything around me. But they were, like, growing up, they were racist against, like, um, Filipinos and Mexicans. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I just never I never have been like I feel like if you don't like a person there's like so many other things that you can like not like them for but um so I grew up in that kind of environment and I really don't feel like anyone really so much had the race talk with me I mean I just kind of figured it out myself by the way that people were towards me and towards other black people and you know just in general okay i don't feel like my mom really was comfortable discussing that with me honestly okay made her uncomfortable i see yeah it's something that um is really like when noelle noelle's multi or my daughter she's also multiracial so i don't even know i would have to sit down with a parent that is that's you know gone through this already and given the talk to their own children about racism because I honestly wouldn't even know where to start on how to explain what it is with your children. Did you do it differently from your mother? Did you uh, tell them what racism was and tell them that they would experience it? Or did you also uh, want them to figure it out firsthand? Um, It's not that I wanted them to figure it out firsthand. It's kind of like when you have kids, you don't want to like tell them, like the bad things like you just want them to grow up happy and 
you know, you don't want to tell them things that will hurt them. So I feel like um, I've always taught my kids that they can, you know, like color never really came up. Like they have friends of all cultures. They never really ask questions about like other people's races or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might have been because my family is white. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're just not really in tune to other races. But I think like my husband, he's a black man. And thankfully, because um, we worked together the whole time that they were growing up, I feel like he was able to have those conversations better than me. And he, I know that he's had those conversations, especially with my son. Oh, he has had the conversations with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? And honestly, right. oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, please. You're the guest. I, <laughs> I kind of regret not having those conversations more with my kids, but it's just something that's like so hard to talk about sometimes. And I mean, um, now I'm having to talk about it. And I mean, I think it's easier because they're basically like, they're very grown. But it's still hard with my 16-year-old because I just want them to see the world, like, the way that it should be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I know what you mean. You don't want them to see the world um, in a bitter bitter way. (laughs) I totally get that. So let me ask you this. What can you give your definition of what how the world should be? I, um, I honestly feel like First of all, like policing should be done in a much different way. I feel like a lot of times when the police come on the scene, especially if it's a black man or even a Mexican man, there are, you know, black women and Mexican women too. They're already like up, you know, they're already like hyped up and like ready for a fight. And I feel like the police need more training. And I feel like when the police go to places, if there's like someone that can help in the situation, like a social worker, a mental health worker, somebody like that, like those kind of people should also be employed by the police to, you know, help deescalate situations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just also wish that there was, you know, basically no racism. Like it's really sad the things that you see on TV, like right now when you see like what's going on even in like Santee, like people are just it's very disheartening the way people are just so open to be racist now. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I don't know like how to change it, but I just wish people weren't like that for sure. I wish we could all live in harmony and, you know, not necessarily harmony because I know like there's always going to be people that you don't get along with, but not based on race. I mean, like I said, like a human is a human and there's like, so many other things that you could dislike someone for besides their race. Yeah, someone could just simply just have a shitty personality. <laughs> Be black, white, Hispanic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. If only racism didn't exist, what how different um life would be. Less paranoia, less violence. Um so <laughs> Growing up, did you have any type of negative experience with the police officer? Um, growing up, or even present I day, I did not. 
Um, I didn't have any negative experiences with police officers, but um, I always have had like a fear of the police Mm -hmm. because, well, I mean, I guess like negativity has shaped that. I mean, the first thing I ever remember of the police is like seeing my dad get arrested, which it probably was um, justified. And I didn't remember seeing anything bad happen, but that's like my first image of the police. And then growing up, um, we didn't live like in the best environment. So we were like taken away from our home for a little while. And the police are the ones who took me away from my home. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that those were particularly negative, but, um, they weren't positive interactions with the police. And as an adult, one time I got a ticket for um, turning right on a red that you were allowed to turn right on, but I got pulled over and I tried to explain it to the cop. And all of a sudden he just got like very um, elevated with me. And I remember him saying, we're not here to argue. And I was basically like, okay, I'm not here to argue either. And I knew like just the way he talked to me that it was definitely time for me to shut up. Mm-hmm. So now I make sure like something that I've learned is that if I have like my work name tag with me and I um, like show it to the cop basically, or if I have scrubs on, like I can pretty much like get out of there without an incident, but it's ridiculous that I have to go through all that to not have an incident. Yeah, you have to show them that you're an essential worker and um, yeah, that, they'll, they'll gain some respect for you. Exactly, because it's either they're just looking at me like I could turn into an angry black woman or they can look at me like I'm a nurse, you mm-hmm. know, and unfortunately I'd rather them look at me like a nurse than black woman because as a nurse, I'll get out of there. As a black woman, I might not. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, that's definitely unjustifiable. Uh, how about your children? Any of your four children, have they felt that they've gone through a, an experience with the police officer where they it felt unjustified? Yes, unfortunately, my two, um, my older daughter, my 21-year-old, when she was about, um, I'd say like 18 years old, she was um, waiting for a lift. And because she was outside, the cops felt the need to harass her, basically making her miss her lift. They made her empty her pockets. They basically brought her to the point of tears. And this kid, like, she doesn't look like a thug. She graduated from a performing arts high school. She's always been, like, very soft-spoken. You know, Mm -hmm. she had honors like every year she was in high school, just a good girl. So, you know, like she didn't look like a threat. So that happened. And then with my son, he was around 16 years old and he was having a really hard time um, with his emotions and stuff. And he started getting like really depressed. Mm -hmm. And one night he didn't feel like he was safe. So he called the suicide hotline and they forwarded him to call 911 and he called 911 and he told them what the problem was. Mm -hmm. And instead of sending a ambulance, 
they sent the police and they put my son in cuffs when he was 16 years old and transported him in a police car. And I feel like that was very inappropriate. Like my son shouldn't have been in cuffs at the age of 16 for being the one asking for help. So because of those two instances, I feel like my kids are already jaded towards the cops. Yeah, even before um, everything happened with George Floyd and everything. Like, that doesn't even make sense. They they handcuffed your son and they took him to the station? Like, what did they... Well, they took him, they ended up taking him to um, Children's Hospital. I mean, that's like where they should have taken him, but I just don't understand why they put him in cuffs. He wasn't a threat to them, and, you know, he's the one who called. So, I mean, I hope, like, if he has a problem like that again, he's not, like, afraid to get help for it. Jeez, that's that's so crazy, that story. Both of those stories, and your daughter was just, she was just standing there, just kind of, just living her day, yep. you know, not thinking that anything. Waiting for a lift. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so bonkers. So with those two incidences that happened, how did you feel as a mother, if you can just recall that feeling? I felt terrible. I felt heartbroken. Um, it was... It's horrible because who do you tell when something like that happens? Like, who do you call? I mean, you don't obviously call the cops. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? And I remember, especially when it happened with my son, my husband, he just cried. And even now, when we talk about that incident, we actually just talked about it last night. He still gets so emotional about it and he's just like last night he actually said like you know because we've been talking about it a lot because I've been like standing up and protesting and stuff like that but he actually said like they made my son into a statistic on that night like now he's a black man who's already been in cuffs you know before the age of 18. Mm -hmm. Yeah unfair. So I mean it's it's horrible to me I don't feel like Honestly, I don't feel like I can depend on the police and my kids. Like they are, are they feel like that too? Like that's not who we call for help. I don't know who we would call for help, but the police aren't going to help us. No, no, I definitely understand that. Um, considering what you went through and your experiences with them. So, uh, how are the protests going for you? Um, have you been attending many of them, or have they been peaceful? Have you uh, witnessed uh, more physical, uh, harmful uh, protesting? How's the experience been? Well, the protest that I went to last week, it was very peaceful. Um, The people who were, even the people that were like stuck in their car waiting for us to walk by, they were like cheering, honking, giving us water bottles stuff like that there were like really good speakers everybody was wearing a mask I didn't see anybody without a mask That's great. so that protest went very peacefully and I felt like so positive after it um my daughter went to the protest my um 20 almost 21 year old went to the protest the week before where they started the cops started instigating and Um, I'm not sure if they were doing pepper spray or um, there's another kind of pepper bullets they use sometimes, but 
they started doing that because they felt that um, that they no longer welcomed the protest. Um, my daughter didn't get hurt, but she was involved in that protest. And as far as I can hear from looking at people's like Facebook lives and talking to my daughter, mm-hmm. it didn't seem like it was um, a violent protest. It seemed to be very peaceful until the cops started acting up. Yeah, and I've actually been hearing that a lot. I've been hearing that there's been a lot of peaceful protests, but the cops kind of intervene and it turns more violent. Um, Of course, a lot of the media isn't really showing that aspect. They're mostly just showing the looters and the more, um, I guess, the riots that are causing damage. And you see that on the news. So what are your thoughts when you see that, that people are, or the media really is just portraying that all of these protests are not doing any good because there's people out there thinking that, that it's, they're honestly not thinking that it's kind of justified um, because like the George Floyd murder, because they're thinking, well, you know, they're causing damage back. You know, that's not the way to fight back. Um, It's not justified what they're doing. But a lot of the protests have been peaceful. They just haven't really been showing it. So what runs through your head when you see that on the news? Um, and first of all, the way the media portrays it, of course, I don't like that because I don't feel like there has been rioting or looting going on in San Diego at least mm-hmm. for the past probably at least two weeks. Um, so that's not good. And at work, I've had to correct some people who use the term rioters instead of protesters. So I've been Mm -hmm. trying to um, correct those people. And as far as like um, protests turning into rioting and, you know, eventual looting happening, Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, like nobody thinks that that's great, but I mean, this is, we're basically in a civil war. This is a revolution And I mean, I don't really condone like messing stuff up, but I feel like also sometimes you got to fuck some shit up to get heard. To get heard. Yeah. Let me put some contest in a contest (laughs) context into this. Mm -hmm. So imagine this. You wake up every morning, you turn on your Facebook and you have this awesome, cool message. You see this cool chick out in the desert chilling, looking at moons and always giving positive experiences. Cool. You wake up the following day, turn on the Facebook. There's this same cool chick out there giving, you know, positive love out there and good vibrations and wishing everyone a great day. Cool. Three weeks in a row, you turn on your Facebook, you see this person's message, and it's always positive. And just, hey, guys, you know, remember, you're special, be special. To everyone, you know, men, women, children, everybody, pets, bunch of cat pictures, which is another topic of conversation in the future, I guess. But it's always positive. And then one morning you hear about a gentleman getting killed by the police. Then three days later, you hear about people protesting and you look on your Facebook and that same awesome groovy woman says, hey, for those who don't understand this. For those that have a problem with this, just let me know and I will correct you before I unfriend you. This who this is who Nicole is. 
And that's one of the major reasons why we were excited to have Ron because this person came with just giving nothing about yoga and I'm out doing yoga at this time and positivity to what she just said moments ago. This is a civil war. This is a revolution. Can you sort of tell us how that transformation happened? Was, go ahead. I hear you take that. Um, I feel like, so the George Floyd thing, I feel like, I woke up on Tuesday morning and, you know, that happened on Memorial Day. And I turned on my news like normal, just, you know, laying in my bed, half awake watching the news. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know if they warned me that I was going to see that, but they showed that clip. And that clip and the look on that police officer's face and the way that he had his hands in his pocket, like, that just lit a fire under me and you know it's not a hundred like a lot of people are saying like you know you didn't even know George Floyd this and that and you know he wasn't like always the greatest guy and why are you protesting his death and the real thing is is that you know humans make mistakes Mm -hmm. no matter what he did in his past he was not getting arrested for those things And I feel like his death was unjustified. The way that he died was unjustified, no matter what he did in his past. And besides the fact, this is not just about George Floyd. George Floyd was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. This is about Breonna Taylor. This is about about Ahmaud Arbery. This is about Michael Brown. This is about everybody, all the way back to Emmett Till and Martin Luther King. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Because I, you're right. P- some people that are trying to justify his murder look back and they're like, "Well, he wasn't really a good person." But uh, you're right. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, everyone has. Pe- some people have a sketchier past than others. Does it mean that he should be murdered? No. You know, like, and that's that's what blows my mind when I hear someone trying to, you know, ex just trying to justify the whole situation, you know, and there's different, there's different ways that people have been trying to, you know, a lot of people are also talking about how they think uh, black lives matter is super just superior and their superior way of thinking because they're like, well, all lives matter. But when people say that, I feel like the point really goes over their heads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yes, all lives do matter. Like, that's great. But let's focus on the ones that, you know, to society don't really matter as much first. And then once that is resolved, then we can say all lives matter, you know. And, like, that's something that needs to be explained more to the people that are screaming, but all lives matter. Because it's like, no, like, yes, that, that makes sense. I agree with you. But, you know what I mean? Like, let's focus on... That's why black. That's what Black Lives Matter is all about. And you're right. It went all the way down to Martin Luther King. You know, like, and he was, you know, he was a great man. I mean, look what he's done for our for our nation. And he was still killed. You know what I mean? He didn't have this yeah. weird sketchy past. You know what I mean? That's like, so the people that try to justify it just it doesn't make any sense to me. What are your thoughts? Have you personally experienced someone that feels? That like talks to you and is like, well, you know, Nicole, all lives do matter or even something like blue lives matter. What are your thoughts on people that uh, feel like this, that feel strongly about 
those movements, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter? Um, I feel like with the Blue Lives Matter, I don't think that that should even be an issue because someone's life as a cop is their choice. My life as a black woman is not my choice. My kids being black is not their choice. That cop takes off their uniform at the end of the day. So, of course, like, yes, you know, everyone's life matters. But, you know, blue lives matter doesn't make any sense to me. And then as far as the people who say all lives matter, I just try to educate them about what's going on. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes a few times. Like, usually it will go from, you know, I even had one person say, um, uh, black lives matter as long as they are my grandkids. And this was a white woman who had mixed grandkids. So I had to correct her and let her know that, you know, all black lives matter, whether you're related to them or not all black lives matter because black people are getting killed at an alarming rate. Like it's, it's just too much, mm-hmm. you know? And right now we have to focus on black lives. Like, I mean, Later, we can focus on other lives, but right now, it's it's a state of emergency for black people. Exactly. Yes, and I agree with you on that. It's a state of emergency for black people, and that's why um, they need to be continuously heard, and other people of different backgrounds, they need to just sit and listen um, and try to understand and empathize. So I'm definitely um, bored with you with that. So do your children, do you currently, you said that growing up you left, you lived in um, not, you know, not as, um, I don't even know what the word is. You grew up more like not as bougie, I guess, as your children now. Do your children now live compared to you in a more like less diverse, like white neighborhood or what is the background um, of the people you live around, like who do your who do your children hang out with? Do they hang out with diverse group of friends? Do they go to predominantly white school? Well, my kids have grown up um, pretty much all of their life living in Spring Valley, which is um, you know a very diverse area, and that's what I like about it because my kids are growing up and have grown up around everybody. They have all different friends. I would never, I mean, I have friends that live in north parts of San Diego where it's like more predominantly one race or another. And for my kids, I really don't like that. I like where they've grown up. They've grown up in a place where there's all different races. Um, Everybody's well, most parents go to work. um, So they've learned like, I feel like the people that my kids are around have the same values as us for the most part. Mm-hmm. That's good. And the schools they've gone to, um, for a big part of their life, they went to a charter school. And because just the way a charter school runs, they were around um, pretty much mixed races. I would say at that school, though, it was... Um, more white but there were other races there and when I transferred them over to neighborhood schools they were with kids of all races again that's good um, actually because I agree with you on that if we can um, if it's a possibility that I think it is important to expose 
your children to a a diverse amount of group of people. Um, I know that's more difficult than others or some people they look at, you know, really, really good schools, high marks, and it happens to be a predominantly white school um, just because of different reasons, affordability, location. Uh, For a woman of color or mixed woman that does have their child in a school where it's predominantly white, so their mixed child or black child or uh, minority child is going to hang out with the group of friends that are mostly all white. What words of advice would you have for those uh, parents to try to teach their children about their background and their race and make them appreciate it? Um, I would say to look outside of your school and look around other neighborhoods. Um, There are plenty of activities. When my kids were growing up, um, I had a very firm belief that they always had to be doing something. They did sports, dancing, um, basically anything and everything I could get them interested in. And I looked for these things. Um, I didn't have a lot of money when they were growing up. So I needed like inexpensive things. And I found stuff like, you know, that was less expensive and they were exposed to lots of different kids. Like for instance, there's a civic arts dance Academy that runs, um, out of Balboa Park. And that was a really good place for my kids to be. The classes are very inexpensive and I feel like they were around like so many different people. So I would say basically, you know, look into the kinds of activities that are available to you. And if you have to go a little bit outside of your neighborhood, go for it because I mean, the activity is worth it and the interaction for your kids you know, to help them make a better world is definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That's really solid advice right there, Nicole. Um, you know, I've asked that question, not for just all um, parents listening, but honestly also for myself. Um, my child, my daughter's multiracial. Um, Christopher is black and Hispanic. I'm Hispanic. So she does have black in her, but looking at her, you wouldn't see that you would just be she's a hispanic child um but even then the area we are in is predominantly white um and so she's not in school yet because she's only 18 months old but i'm just kind of thinking for the future i'm like what can i do as a parent that wants her multiracial child to be proud of uh, all of her background her hispanic side her black side and embrace it um surrounding a bunch of white children that you know, wouldn't really understand it because they're not it. So, um, but that's awesome advice to expose them to um, outside of school, to activities that where there would be some type of diversity. So thank you for that. So um, you yourself, you have some friends that are white. Um, Have there, have they like approached you and tried to just like talk to you about um, the George Floyd incident or protests have any of them counteracted you or are they in agreement with you and fighting with you um i feel like the people that i actually call friends are people who are like-minded and who really are in agreement i mean i have some friends who have stepped up more than others 
I feel like in this situation, I've gotten like a lot of support from my best friend. She's white and um, she protested with me last week. And um, my boss has also been really supportive. And there have been several people at my work that have like actually approached me about it and, um, you know, basically let me know that they support me. That's awesome. I'm super happy to hear you have that. And anyone. Yeah. And, um, anyone who isn't supporting me, I'm trying to educate them when I can, but I mean, this is like such a big thing that, I mean, I don't really feel like if I don't have someone's support in this, I don't feel like I have their support for me as a person mm-hmm. or my kids. Right. Cause it's a part, it's you, it's a part of you. Yeah. I was going to ask you next, have you had to cut ties with anyone or have you uh, purposely ended friendships because of this? I have ended a few friendships. Um, the people who, have spoken out and you know like showed their racism honestly i'm not really very surprised about those people those are kind of people that i've um kept at a distance anyways and i mean you hear like these little side comments like all through life and you just wonder like hmm what do they mean by that but then when something like this happens you're like yep i was right i know exactly what they mean by that Mm -hmm. so i mean the people who I've lost have not been a big surprise and they also haven't been very important people in my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Would you say that the nation is going to shit more now than ever um, because of our president? Do you think some of this is political as well? Do you think- I definitely do because I mean, we all know that Donald Trump is a racist mm-hmm. He is a racist, even in his speeches now, like the way that he's responding to the protests and the little sly things he's doing, like having his um, talk in Oklahoma on Juneteenth is extremely inappropriate and offensive, Um, saying that they're going to bring the dogs out, which we all know that was the thing that happened, like, you know, during the civil rights movement when people were getting basically brutalized like people are now for peaceful protests. So I definitely think, and I feel like since Donald Trump has been in office, like that was, that point was a turning point for me because a lot more racists came out of the woodwork when he was even running for president. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like when you started like really seeing like how people felt about Obama being our previous president and I feel like you know as soon as he started running for president it gave people the freedom to be racist and to just let it all out I agree (laughs) I do agree with (laughs) you on that like I feel like when Trump became president that it was kind of because someone so powerful is blatantly showing how you know racist he can be um that everyone else got the okay um in their eyes to be um kind of proud of it and blatant with it themselves so i do agree with you on that what is it mama sorry my baby's crying (laughs) it's okay oh my gosh well i want to end um the interview with one final question for you nicole and 
you know, as a black woman, as a black mother, when you saw that George Floyd video, um, I don't know if you finished the whole thing. I personally couldn't, and I'm not even a black mother, you know, like, so I can't even imagine how you feel just staring at that and hearing him call out for his mom. So when he called out for his mom, like, how did that make you feel inside? Did you think of your own children going through that or what what ran through your mind when you saw that? Um, I definitely thought of my own children when I saw that because of the fact that I look at everyone as someone's child and because he's a black man and my kids are black people and the way that I saw it go down, I mean, they didn't really give him a chance at all. So yeah, it was heartbreaking. I cried. I, I feel like after seeing that I was in, I mean, that was traumatizing and, you know, it could be anybody's kid who that happens to. And it has been like tons of people's kids who that has happened to. And, you know, that's the reason I speak up and I stand up and I feel like I have to, because if we don't, it will be one of my kids someday. And, you know, it will be horrible. It would be horrible and it would be too late. You know, now's the time to stand up. I mean, he represents like, to me, I'd say not just every black mother's child, but every mother's child. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he called out for his mom, that was, that was it. I think that was the straw. Exactly. Exactly. He was in the end, he's, doesn't matter what his past is, doesn't matter if it was seedy or not, you know, he was calling out to his mom. He's a human in the end. And, you know, that's something that, you know, as a mother myself, when I heard him, I couldn't finish the video, but when I did hear the part where he was calling out for his mom and it was gut wrenching. I just, you know, it brought tears to my eyes as well. And I couldn't even fathom, you know, how I would feel if something like that were to happen to my daughter or my future children, and I'm sure that no matter what race you are, I'm sure that whoever saw that video and is a parent, when they heard him say that, also felt the same. So thank you so much, Nicole. I really appreciate you um, coming here, you know, and speaking your thoughts, and I, I, I just really appreciate you. Thank you so much. You are very welcome, and I appreciate you, too. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that is everything for the Pam Hour. I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.